Roberta McHale to Pippen and Jordan to Kobe and Shaq, the evolution of the best two-man combinations in the NBA have brought us here, to Vancouver, Canada, where the shot is always wet because it never stops raining. The tyrants of the travel, gods of the goaltend, overlords of the over and back, from deep in the coop, this is the And None Podcast. Let's go. Good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Why I would never wear a big baller shirt. No, I didn't Don't say that. Don't talk to me, but I heard you say I'm not even wearing I, I said that I... You're a great reporter, just not reporting on me. Next. Well, next. Well, next. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Anon Podcast. I am your host, Adam McQueen. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam McQueen MBA. And we are here recording on a Friday morning, recapping the week that was in the NBA. And joining me to discuss it all and more is my co-host, the man himself, we the North, Graham Turner. Graham, how are you? I'm excellent. We had a, we had a night out last night. But I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling. I'm feeling spry. I'm feeling like I'm ready to talk some NBA hoops. I feel like I've got the Phoebe Buffay sick voice right now. You know, when you're a little hungover and everything's just like deeper. Do I sound like sexier right now or what? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. You got the sick face right now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> everything's puffy. Yeah, you're puffy. All right. Best way to cure a hangover, though. Watching the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Los Angeles Lakers play in a barn burner. The what Lakers? Night. The what Lakers? The Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers and Cavs had a real exciting game. It was exciting. The Lakers are actually playing a lot of exciting games recently. I know they're they're moving up the league pass rankings for me. They they've I think they've taken over Philly. Yeah, and they might be sitting at the number one spot right now. You think the Lakers are the number one spot league pass rankings? Oh, man, they're pretty good to watch. That I, is a hot take. I maybe the Knicks with Porzingis is another good one. Ugh. I don't know. It's just cool seeing these young teams. Like the Knicks Lakers game was that Thursday night. Sure. No, sorry. No, Wednesday night. Wednesday. That was a barn burner as well. These games have all been good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Lakers have some poopy lineups. So when mm. Lonzo or Ingram is on the floor, uh, my interest decreases significantly. Really, I don't mind that bench unit. With I thought they got a good bench with Randall. And Clarkson kind of leading the charge. I like yeah. it. And Kuzma when he Clarkson comes off the bench too many shots. Clarkson takes too many shots. He, he does. I think he's kind of got the green light. He's just looking to... I don't know. I don't know if they'll bring him back. Anyways. Anyways. More importantly, the, Lonzo and LeBron talked. Yeah. He, LeBron looked like he was going to do the, the, the dunk on him. Yeah, well, he was going to fulfill the wish of the Andrew in the hospital. Yeah. He requested... Lonzo specific, made sure that didn't happen. So Lonzo hates spe- kids. Yeah, Lonzo hates specifically kids that have disease. Yeah. So he selfishly didn't get dunked on to grant the wish of a, a kid in hospital. The gall. The gall. The gall of the man. But LeBron had a message to him last night. And uh, the message was essentially, block out the noise, F the haters, you got this, don't worry about it. But LeBron is like kind of assumed the role of like the Gandalf of the NBA. Like he's the keeper <laughs> of the league now. You know what I mean? And for Lonzo, who's had some struggles this year, like I think it's good. LeBron's hyping up the new guys. Yeah, I mean. Potentially a future teammate. Hey. Question mark. That was where all the, the NBA Twitter went nuts with that picture. The meme that they knew it was going to be a meme the moment they started putting the jerseys over each other's mouths when they talked. Over I each liked, other's mouths. 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, that was that was way after the game. I, I like I did like the like Lonzo kind of started to put the jersey above his mouth to talk, but it was like no 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 no. LeBron's like no, I'm the one doing the talking. You just listen up, young fella. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, LeBron's the goat at this point, and these kids all like looked up to him. He's their idol. He's the guy that he they had his posters up on the on the wall. He's been in the league for 15 years now, so I think. He's got some perspective, man. He understands the greater picture, and he's just helping bring in the young guys. Yeah, but I think he's also most, gone to the Lakers. The most exciting, well, the most exciting part of the Lakers franchise beyond just having Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram becoming far more consistent recently. Brandon Ingram actually looks like the number two overall draft pick now, and like Brandon Ingram is a scary, scary guy to go up against these days in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He looks like a bit of an alien. But he can shoot the ball, yeah. and he's good on defense. And I think Brandon Ingram is really coming into his own right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit. I think people are quick to call people busts at this point. We've been lucky enough to have so much talent and NBA-ready talent come into the league. Yeah. And people were jumping off the Brandon Ingram bandwagon, and he barely he's barely over a buck sixty right now. The guy's like, he's skin and bones. Like the he's Brandon got a fl- wagon. Yeah, honestly. And... I think the same thing has happened with Lonzo. Obviously, he has the most hype and a, just a massive magnifying glass on every move he makes. Yeah. But, man, the dude's a freaking good player, too. Hasn't been helped by Jason Tatum playing so well this early on. Sure, sure. but And obviously, that's going to be looked at in comparison. But both of those players, are they have flaws, like any rookie does. And they were just more visible flaws. I think Lonzo's shot is easier to see and kind of wince at rather than like Devin Booker not playing off ball D or town. Well, I mean, we're going to get to towns, but like towns, non-existent defense, it sticks out more. And obviously the microscope that he's under right now, it serves as, it just gets magnified, but no, they're both two. I'm, I'm more than excited to see where the Lakers go. And my boy, my boy, Julius Randall too. It's an interesting question because they don't have their first round draft pick this year. So they have no Mm -hmm. incentive to tank. Uh, Brooke Lopez expiring contract after this year. The only thing that's really kind of weighing them down, like long term, is that Lou Alden contract. Yeah. he signed until the end of 2021. Adam, I was seeing it's they re- they really need to get that off, especially if they want to make a a move for in free agency. Obviously, they have enough cap room to secure a max level player. But what the way the way they they look at it, it, it seems that they're trying to get at least two max level players. Yeah, the Walt Dang is the only problem in this whole situation. I saw a couple rumors about him potentially getting packaged with it's the it's the D'Angelo Russell Mozgov deal where teams will be like, yeah, you know what, we'll take that awful awful contract. But Kuzma's looking mighty good over there. Oh, do they really want to burn Kuzma though? I Kuzma's for real, man. The hype that went around Kuzmania. It kind of annoyed me because it got so mainstream so quickly. But it's hard to deny he is a. He's also man. The guy is a pure shooter. He's really good. He's uh, a Robert Covington minus ten years. Sure, sure. I like that. He but he can. Uh, he's really. I didn't realize. But watching more of the Lakers, he's actually really good in the post, man. He can get his shot all over the court. It's I not think, just a strictly shooting kind of spot up shooter, but and he hey. goes nicely with Randall. He goes way nicer than, with Randall than Larry Nance Jr. Oh. does. I, oh man, Randall, Randall is really the big question mark in the whole situation. I wrote about him in the 94 feet report. Well, I wrote about the Philly Lakers game last week and the biggest takeaways. And Randall is someone that can 
he has such a high a high ceiling and low floor. He there's so much variable in between. He's had such a weird four years with the Lakers. Yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs. I mean, he's been a part of some crappy teams, some crappy coaches. Yeah. Just this gross rebuilding project that he's had to be a part of the Kobe year. Um, Randall is incredible in these big games, and that's what leads me to believe that he's going to be a very good player. And he's played really, really well this year. The games against the Warriors, he steps up. Yeah. The games against Philly, those big, big games, he's stepped up. Any of these marquee matchups, Julius Randle is an impact. He played incredibly well against Joel Embiid. He had acrobatic finishes. He was getting... They play him at the center in some of these crunch time laps because who the hell wants Brooke Lopez out there? And he Brooke was getting, Lopez he was getting a, eaten up. Brooke Lopez is a way bigger minus this year than I thought he was going to be. Sure. It'll be interesting to see where he goes and the price tag he commands. He's going to be that journeyman, big man that will be able to shoot. Sure, he can fit in somewhere. But going back to the Randall situation is, yeah, he was he was getting eaten up a little bit by Joel Embiid the late game. But he made the defensive stop, poked it away from Embiid that led to that Brandon Ingram dagger. So I just, I love, man, his versatility. He can defend pretty much all five positions. And when he's engaged and he's switched on, dude, I think I think he will be him, Ball, Ingram, and whatever free agents they bring on board. Kuzma? Kuzma, oh. Whatever free agents they bring on board, looking at you, Paul George. Paul George fits this Ooh, system perfectly. Ever. And I don't know, maybe a little boogie? Maybe a little LeBron? I don't know. But they definitely are their their sales pitch is this year, and especially without the incentive to tank, the Lakers performance this year is kind of the sales pitch that they're that they're gonna put out to these players. These are the top ta- this is the talent we have. This season, without this incentive to tank, the the Lakers this year well, their performances and the way their talent plays is sort of a sales pitch for these free agents to come on board. And Ingram's performances, I love Lonzo, I don't I don't I don't worry too much about the shooting. And Julius Randle, I think, man, it's uh, it's an appealing proposition to go to L.A. I'm Is Julius Randle becoming the bigger, younger version of Rajon Rondo, though, with these national TV performances? Because, <laughs> like, it's such, a, it's such a stark difference between just a regular, like, Monday night game or Sunday afternoon game versus, like, these ESPN TNT games, you know? Like, Julius Randle flicks the switch. But... I mean, so much has been made. LeBron just bought a new mansion. He's uh, he's going into LA. What is really in LA for LeBron? Like, what is what is gonna actually make him? Yeah, the the as great as I'm thinking more Paul George Boogie situation. I if I'm as LA, as, I, I'm looking at Paul George and Boogie more than LeBron. Yeah, as well. as, as great as the Lakers' young talent is, it, their windows just don't match up because those guys. I mean, LeBron LeBron took friggin' the worst Cavaliers team ever to the finals back before he went to Miami, and he, I mean, he played Golden State pretty damn hard on his own, with Del Vadova as his point guard in the first match against the Warriors, so he could take anyone to the finals, but yeah. their windows don't match up, the, the talent isn't prepared to take on that sort of playoff run, and then you're going over to the to the West, and if I'm LeBron, I'm like, eh, do I really want to go West? There's- but LeBron does, like, he's probably the one of the most self-aware athletes that we have in terms of managing his image and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously being in LA opens up opportunities off the court, but does this sort of add to his legacy? Like, if he can if he can go to LA and be successful, 
I mean, is that kind of the, the is, raison d'etre? Oh. Is that the is that the piece that you know really pushes it, him to get there? It makes quite the narrative if when you reflect the on legacy, the, Le, the legacy, the LeBron. Hey, he's always chasing the the ghost of the goat. Sure, it's it'll be a crazy narrative. Um, when you talk about the exposure being LA and the Lakers, sure, there is that a little bit, but LeBron transcends whatever market he's in at this point. He is his own brand, so I, I'm I'm not too concerned about. It. I mean. It's not like Cleveland was a hotbed for basketball before LeBron came around. No, nor so will it be after he the, leaves. The market level, especially the way these NBA players now brand themselves and how popular they are as individuals outside of their franchise themselves, I, I'm not too concerned about small market, large market for someone of LeBron's stature. I mean, you look at Giannis right now. Yeah, but I think there is like I think Giannis is such a is such a unique case. I think LeBron is far yeah. more aware of how he's perceived sure. than Giannis is. Sure. No, actually, you know what? On the flip side of that, there is something about when these Madison Square Garden games matter now. You and there's like tell. a weird, there's like a palpable buzz, man, that you can like feel when the games start getting heated in like Madison Square Garden between the Knicks and the Lakers. Can I just say, by the way, I first of all, I really enjoy watching the Madison Square Garden games, but. If any NBA on-court visual person ever listens to this, let me tell you something. Turn the lights off on the seats. It makes it way cooler to watch when you're in the stadium, when you're watching on TV. Dim the lighting or just cut it completely for everywhere but the court. Madison Square Garden does it. Uh, Barclays Center in uh, Brooklyn does it. Mm-hmm. Like the ACC does it not it do theatrical it. Man, it makes yeah. it look way better. Cut the lights to the seats. Anyway... Yeah, I agree. There is a buzz around these teams, and I, for one, am excited to see what the Lakers do from here because I think there's so many different ways that they can go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they need LeBron. I'm just going to put that out there. I think the path for the Lakers to realize their success— say, thanks. No thanks, LeBron. We don't really want you. <laughs> I mean, if LeBron wants to go, you're not saying no. But the Lakers, very interesting going forward. trying to make the playoffs i mean every game has to be an edge so we came out with the uh, determination and the desperation so we uh we just did what we needed to do uh we stayed stayed the course and uh we got a great win one of the biggest sort of free agent summers that we've ever had in the nba so many teams looking different so many teams adding players players leaving one of the biggest stories coming into this season was the minnesota timberwolves and what they're going to look like with the additions of jimmy butler and jeff teague they're currently fourth in the Western Conference, which is probably about where most people had them. I think coming into the coming into the season, uh, I I think people had their record. Their record is what people thought. I think people expected maybe Denver or OKC to be higher than them. I think it was expected that like Minnesota are making the playoffs, but around that six seed range, which they could easily fall back into. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why they made regress is pretty simple. The the number of minutes that all of their starters are playing right now is so unfeasible and so unsustainable. Like, Jimmy Butler's averaging 37 minutes a game. He looks exhausted. He wanted to come out of the game last night. They wouldn't let him. They won by almost 20 against Sacramento. <laughs> like, Tom Thibodeau is really, really falling back into his old ways. But the question I have for you today, Adam, is... Are the Minnesota Timberwolves essentially just replaying whatever the Chicago Bulls did about three, four years ago? Because that's what it seems like to me. They have one superstar player in Carl Anthony Towns, who is the Derrick Rose equivalent. They have the other guys who are coming in, the young guys like Andrew Wiggins is the new Jimmy Butler. 
Jimmy Butler. I don't know what Jimmy Andrew Butler Wiggins is. Andrew Wiggins is the new Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is who? Jimmy some Butler. weird situation. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't found a good <laughs> comparison for Jimmy Butler yet. But Taj Gibson is averaging the most minutes of his career in the ninth season. Taj Gibson is Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson is still Taj Gibson. Situation? Looks exactly the same, by the way. <laughs> so the Minnesota Timberwolves haven't made the NBA playoffs in 13 seasons. Is this the price that they have to pay to get into the playoffs? And what happens after they actually make the playoffs? Because as everyone knows, a fan base is only excited about their achievement as long as, what, that night, that week? And mm-hmm. then it becomes, well... What's next? Why we get swept in the first round? Why are all our guys injured or exhausted? <laughs> like, is this really worth it for Minnesota long-term? I think there's a problem, and it is... the Well, you've, you've alluded to the, the minutes issue and the lack of... I mean, they're playing like a seven, eight-man rotation already. It's tight. Although Houston are doing the same, which it might come back and bite them too. I think it's just a matter of getting better personnel on board. And I think it ties into the issue that we've looked at with many other people is you can't have a coach that is also the GM. You can't have someone that takes over all of the personnel's player situations and be that close to actually coaching them. I think you need somewhat, you need to be removed somewhat and have perspective. And it's really hard, I think, not that I've been a coach in the NBA, but I think it would be hard to coach players, be with them day in, day out, trying to develop their games, and then also look at them as commodities, which is what you have to do as a GM. And we've seen, I mean, we've seen the Doc Rivers situation. He just signs anyone that played well against him when he was a coach of the Celtics in 06. It's beyond me why, like, owners and front office executives are still allowing this to happen. Because you look at the most successful teams in the NBA right now, and none of the coaches are also the GMs. Like, Steve Kerr is not the GM of the Warriors. Greg Popovich is not the GM of the Spurs. Like, it's so foolish to me why... There should be a dialogue between them. Yeah, oh, absolutely, there should be a dialogue. Don't just hand over the keys. But it's two separate jobs. Like, each of those are very, very difficult jobs that probably require, what, 70, 80 hours of work a week? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, obviously the quality is going to fall if one person has to fill both those roles. But I digress. The Minnesota Timberwolves have bad defense, like not a good defensive rating. They play an extremely slow pace. They're grinding these guys down into the meat grinder. Like, honestly, I really feel like the Minnesota Timberwolves are heading off the cliff right now. It's only a matter of time before. I'm, I'm not as concerned as you are, but there is there is definitely a breaking point. I just I think they might peter out come playoff time. I. Who knows? I think once once you get out. Jimmy Butler in, in the playoffs, so Jimmy Butler shows up. Jimmy Butler shows up in every he's game. He's got no he juice plays. in the legs anymore. And he's been playing. He's been playing forty minutes a game his whole career. And but he the still Minnesota, finds a but way. like the players, like Wiggins, Towns, Butler, have been saying to the media, like we're playing too many minutes. How much clearer does it have to get for Tom yeah. Thibodeau? Uh, maybe their rookie Patton, who's been balling out in the G League. I liked him. He came out of Creighton. Maybe he'll finally start getting some minutes. Did they? Did they make a, a trade? Maybe bring on a bench score? Maybe looking at Memphis Grizzly unloading Tyreek Evans? I don't yeah. know. They, they definitely need to bolster their roster. and The roster stinks. Yeah, the depth. <laughs> Speaking of which, I want to give you a little tidbit, which I saw on, on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. And there was a report circling that Shabazz Muhammad's camp were expecting a $20 million a year contract during free agency. And we're shocked. That I that. would like to be. I would like to take whatever drugs Shabazz <laughs> Muhammad's agent is taking right now because obviously they're working extremely well. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there. Uh, yeah, I, they're great players. Jimmy Butler, 
Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, they're, they're not necessarily clicking right now, but like you said, it's, it's a minutes issue and it's a depth issue. So I'm, if they stay as is and stay pat, then sure, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Then I don't really think they're going to make too many, too much waves in the playoffs this year anyways, but they definitely need to start filling out their roster with people not, you can't play Taj Gibson for 37 minutes is what I'm but trying to having, say. But <laughs> then having Tyus Jones and Jamal Crawford coming off the bench, like... I like that, Tyus Jones. I he's like Tyus good. Jones he's good. Lot. Don't get me wrong. But, like, that's a turnstile defense backcourt. Like, mm. like, it's just really difficult to win a lot of games playing seven guys every night, playing your starters, starters 40 minutes a game. Like, as if he hadn't learned from watching Derrick Rose's knees explode several times over in Chicago, why go down this road again? <laughs> Like, that's the reason why you got fired, is you ran your dudes into the ground and they started to hate you. Why Why would you do it again? There's a backlash that young players get as, as they get a couple more years in the league. And with Towns, it's the defensive issues. People, that's what all people are talking about when you look at Crown Anthony Towns. And I want to try and defend him, but it's it rightly so at this point, because... You want to try Golly. and defend him, but he can't defend himself. <laughs> Golly, he had some laughable defensive moments against the Sixers. Do you see him buying on those pump fakes by Embiid? Ugh. And the Euro steps. Hey, he got Euro steps like three times by JoJo. I thought Thibodeau he, was supposed to be the, one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA, though. What happened to that? I don't know. Maybe, I thought he wasn't supposed to grind his guys down anymore. What's really weird is how I listened to Carl uh, Anthony Towns on JJ Reddick's podcast the other day. And yeah. he is a incredible interview. He's a very intelligent, insightful young man. He has a fixation, almost an OCD level of being precise in the way he approaches his body, how he treats it. He understand. He has a great perspective, and he's just a smart, insightful dude. And it's it's weird that it doesn't seem to have that level of detail in his defensive play because he's just lost. Maybe it's just a young man like struggling to adjust. He's had so many different coaches throughout his career already. Yeah, he's not very good coaches either. Yeah, well, you you know all about Sam Mitchell. Great guy, bad coach. So, yeah, it's just weird that he has this such a great insight into the game of basketball and just had a great perspective on a lot of things, yet it just seems like he's kind of J.R. Smith in it out there defensively. Yeah, put a shirt on Carl Anthony Towns. Also, I like that Kevin O'Connor's having to run it back on the Fire Tibbs train. I want to just get a quote from you right now. Are you going to double down on it? Fire, on firing Tibbs? Yeah. I don't think they can fire Tibbs. I would not. Like, the way that the season's going and the way that this team looks right now, like, I don't think he's the right coach for them to have just because he is falling into a lot of his bad habits, his old habits. But they, they knew what they were getting, right? Like, unless... I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. First of all, yeah, don't give your coach GM duties and Tom Thibodeau stops playing your starter so much because it's going to really bite you in the ass come playoff time. Amen. Rightfully so, a lot of the good teams in the NBA get most of the attention. But we're forgetting the the bottom of the league, the the hangers on, the tank. And I just want to get your thoughts on some of the toilet tank teams that are really trying to win the toilet bowl right now. And what I mean by the toilet bowl is 
that first overall draft pick. The 76ers did it for years. There's been some other really bad tanking teams over the years. This year, for whatever reason, it seems like there's like more competition to get these first overall draft picks than ever before. So one team that I think everybody thought, and rightfully so, that they were going to go for the toilet bowl is the Chicago Bulls. But the Chicago Bulls, as of this week, are like winning games in spite of themselves. Four, four in a row, baby. It don't stop. And it comes back to the one-two punch, pun intended, of Bobby Portis and Nikola Miritich. Nikola Miritich is having the best game of his career, or the best season of his career right now. Nikola Miritich is one of three players that are yet to lose in the NBA this, so far this season with my boy Milos Teodosic and Chris Paul. What is great about Miritich is he is yet to record an assist. How would you like that? That's crazy. He just gets buckets. He's not looking to pass. He's just getting buckets for the Bulls who are surging. Maybe a little playoff push. Who knows? I'm I'm more than happy with them just stringing together wins because that just gives my my Grizz even better odds in this in the Doncic sweepstakes. Yeah, you you got a you got a dog in the fight. I don't have any dog in the fight, so I can look at it, kind of say a step back. The Chicago Bulls are an interesting one though because going into after this year and going into 2019. They only have $8 million on their payroll. And, like, obviously they're not going to decline team options on uh, on Laurie Markkinen or probably even at this point Chris Dunn. And I think they'll probably re-sign Nikola Miritich. But, like, having that much having that much flexibility is crazy. The Chicago Bulls team. situation is it's kind of funny. I think Fred Hoiberg came into a tough situation. It was kind of this weird... The Thibodeau fingerprints were still all over that team. He kind of was, he just fit into a situation awkwardly. And now, with, he's got this, he's got no expectations. He's got a young team. He has them playing a good style of basketball now. Chris Dunn looks good. Yeah. And now you have two young players that you, no, I'm not going to say you can build around, but they're two good young players in Chris Dunn and um, the finisher, Laurie Markkinen. He looks really good. You've got Zach Levine coming back, so you can kind of get another inside look on him. I'm not really sure where he goes with it, but the man can fill up. He can shoot the ball. Yeah. I just appreciate that Hoiberg, like we talked with players, maybe rookies getting called busts too early in the season, or sorry, too early in their career. I think the same could be said with coaches. Hoiberg was in a weird, awkward situation. He had a disgruntled superstar and a team that was just burnt out and was kind of the remains of a decent playoff team, just kind of falling apart. And so now he has the opportunity to rebuild. And it looks like they they surprisingly have some things, some pieces that aren't bad, which leads me to another team. Who? Which player are you most excited about on the Chicago Bulls? Oh, Markkinen, for sure. Yeah, he's good. He's not bad. Yeah, I, uh, he, kind I was not the, a- he kind of got the, uh-oh, they, they, they're drafting... You don't trust the Bulls front office anyways, and they're drafting a European big man. Yeah, yeah, Although absolutely. Porzingis is working his ass off to to break that break that stereotype down. Everyone's trying to get themselves a Porzingis. Yeah. Um, sorry, another team, though, that is in the tank sweepstakes, which I look at their roster, and is actually another coach that had GM personnel decisions as well he's in charge of it but now he's stepped down from that and it's the hawks and they actually kind of have some cool pieces as well yeah they have i mean john collins obviously their first round draft john pick collins year. has bunnies he's averaging 12 and 7 and um, you look at these per 36 minutes too yeah, like he wasn't good. getting minutes to start the season 
he is all energy all the time when he comes on. I love it, man. He came back. He had a he's had a little injury stint, but he came back yesterday and dude, he threw down one hell of a dunk. I I really like Collins. I think they found something in Torian Prince. Yeah. Uh, Schroeder, man, give Schroeder the reins. He's uh he's playing really well as well. And so you've got at least some some reasonable young guys. Obviously not winning games like. I let's see let's see what they do. I think they are, they're begging to unload some of their players and lose more. You've got Bellinelli and Ilyasova, both players, especially with their shooting range, that should should be looked at for these teams. That I don't know. Looking at you, Minnesota, maybe you need some bench scores. Bellinelli and Ilyasova are the exact guys that these teams will probably willingly give up. I don't know a second round draft pick. Sure. Atlanta, just bring it all in. Let's get some more assets. And they're, they're another team that basically have no players ex, uh, except for Ken Bazemore. Ugh, that shooter. is tough, though. That is yeah. tough. That was one of those let's overpay for no apparent reason. But like the Hawks, agencies. In, in looking between the Hawks and the Bulls, like I have way more faith in the Hawks to be able to rebuild as an organization than I do the Chicago Bulls. Like yeah, Better well, GM... I mean, more sustained success. Yeah. I was really a big fan of that team that they had uh, when they went to the finals, the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, yeah, I have, the I have faith. The Hawks are good. I have faith that the Hawks will do it the right way and do it sustained. And they they really kind of got put in a tough situation with the Millsap Horford era just kind of coming falling apart, and they couldn't get anything back. And they were they were in such a tough situation there because you don't want to just as a small market team, you don't want to just trade away Horford and Millsap, the guys that have brought you sustained sure. sustained success. That's a say that one twice hungover. Sustained success. But at the same time they, they wanted to they thought they had a shot in keeping them. They didn't apparently because both left in free agency. And I just I like the way that they've responded to not even getting anything back for their two cornerstone guys that led them to I don't know quite a few playoff appearances. Which leads me to another tanking team with two aging corners i'm not gonna say aging i hate when people say aging two older yeah like what's what's franchise the, players what's the alternative to are aging? staring on what's the alternative to aging are they not reverse aging everyone's, everyone's aging, aging. Yeah. exactly two over 30 superstars my my memphis grizzlies and they're staring into the abyss right now but what is really cool about their situation is that something that the Hawks didn't really get to do is they're they're tanking with Gasol playing, and they are currently sitting bottom of the Western Conference, right in the basement. I wrote a piece on the ninety four feet report about potential Mark Gasol trades, and the more I look at it, it's like maybe maybe they can tank with Gasol still playing for him. But when Conley, if and when Conley returns, they're being very casual on his return now. Don't yeah. don't come back too don't quick here, Mike. It. Maybe they win a couple too many games to get a high pick and they fall into that gross Orlando magic. You're picking 8th, ninth, 10th and the Grizzlies can't draft. I won't get into that. So I'm not 100% confident that they'll keep losing at this rate with Mark Gasol. He's just that good of a player. So Oh, I, I'm, very, I'm very confident that they'll keep losing at this rate with Mark Gasol. I've watched far too much Memphis Grizzlies basketball for my liking this year. They suck. They suck hard. And even with Gasol, like, he can't get open because everyone doubles yeah. on him. Tyreek is just jacking up these crazy threes, and, like, way too many of them are going in. But then you look at the rest of the roster. Mario Chalmers stinks. Dylan Brooks is good, probably a little bit too young. 
Ennis can't really do that much. I'm not that excited. Yeah, okay. About him. We understand that the Grizzlies. But what I'm saying is, stinks. I don't. I don't think that like Conley coming back is really the big question mark for him. But like, even if Marcus All stays, even if he plays 20 percent better, they're still going to keep losing because there's yeah. nothing. Around no, him. no, for sure. The only thing is, yeah, when Conley comes back, like Conley and Gasol together, uh, they're gonna get wins. Like they just are; they're too good to lose. I get with that. Those two. I get that. So maybe there is a small window right now to trade Gasol because when Conley comes back alone, they'll still lose. Yeah, and that's kind of why I looked at in the ninety-four feet report. Is I threw together a couple fake trades, and I think for Memphis, it is time to bring on Young supporting role players that aren't going to contribute to winning right now but have a higher upside and will build for the future because that's what i see with the hawks and the bulls sure they're in the doldrums right now but they've uncovered some gems utorian princes i would kill for the grizzlies to get someone like torian prince on their team so that was kind of where i looked at in these potential draft picks and i think look i just want to see gasol in a, I want to see Gasol happy. I want to see him title hunting. Maybe it's in a Cleveland jersey. Maybe we'll flip that for the Brooklyn pick. Maybe it's him running pick and rolls with John Wall. Whew, that would be deadly. That is, a, that is a thought. Or maybe it is going north to your Toronto Raptors because that is the trade that I was most inclined to pull the trigger on. Mm-hmm. I agree. And let me just say this. Like, Marcus Saul is the key to my heart right now. If we could get Marcus Saul on the Toronto Raptors, having him with the Rosen, running pick and rolls with Lowry, with exactly what the Grizzlies don't have, which is these young supporting mm-hmm. players. Like, I love this is my favorite Raptors team to watch that I've ever watched as a basketball fan. But what we are missing right now is a big man who can protect the rim, who can spread the floor. And right now we have a log jam, and like I love the development of Nagara and Pirtle and all these guys, but we need to get rid of Valanciunas. And I would willingly, mm-hmm. I would love, love, if you're asking me to trade Powell or Dallin Wright or both of them with Valanciunas in a second to get Marcus Saul. Absolutely. And one thing with the Raptors, I know you're excited about it. They finally decided to try and modernize with they're actually passing the ball now. They're shooting threes. I think I still, and this is what we've talked about, because you're really excited about the Raptors. And look, be excited, but I'm, I still have this nagging feeling, and you even see it kind of in late-game situations, that come playoffs, it might still be a bit too much Demar Iso, Lowry dribbling the air of the ball. But if you get Marcus on that team, I'm telling you, Marcus Gasol, he, just, he always keeps the ball moving. He adds a sense of purpose into that offense, and the ball will just keep having juice with him in there. And I think that... It's almost near impossible to have a real stagnant offense, although the Grizzlies are trying their damnedest to do but it. But they just can't get him the ball. That's the issue right now. They can't mm. get him the ball with any any space. Marcus Gasol's passing ability just would open up that Raptors team. And I think it's a no-brainer for the Raptors. What we looked at, I think Raptors fans are going to be quickly like quickly reply, no, 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 we can't give up DeLon Wright and Norman Powell. But... But you the, have watched the their other role players. The carousel has already come around. This is what you do. This is what this is what you do in your massage when you build just so many good, young, talented players. Is you've got to convert them into that big piece, and they have enough players to sacrifice two of their good young players and maybe a future draft pick. 
and you convert that into Mike Gasson, you still have a damn good bench. It's the same, it's exactly the same thought process as Danny Ainge, but instead of trying to get assets through trades or free agency, we've just done it through the draft. Uh, I quickly, I realized we haven't actually outlined the formal trade, so I'll, I'll do that for you. Okay. In this trade, Memphis get Jonas Valanciunas, Norman Powell, DeLon Wright, Nagara, and the 2019 first round pick. And Toronto will get Marc Gasol and the flamethrower, Tyreek Evans. Yeah, I, I really am enjoying watching Tyreek Evans this season. Like He's the only guy in that Grizzlies team that I think can score the bucket when uh, Gasol's not on the floor. I'm not really sure how he'd fit into the Raptors, but I think you make that trade and even maybe want to flip him at the deadline. Like He's a good scorer. I don't think he fits out well into the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, the big piece there is Gasol, mm-hmm. but it's just recruiting assets. And like, mm-hmm. man, I, I would do that trade in a second. It, and and what's good for Memphis as well is you get Norman Powell, but you have him on that contract as well, yeah, which is a really contract. nice contract. And you have him secured for a long time. Cause 10 mil a year. That's what you have to be worried about when you're Memphis in this situation is you want... You, you guys aren't going to want to be there, and you, you, you've always had trouble luring in free agents, issue, unless their though, name's Chandler Parsons. Big issue. Does have the same number as Dylan Brooks, who gets to keep it. Ooh. 24, arm wrestle. 24. They both seem like They're like the dudes. same player anyway, and they yeah, have the same yeah. number. It's weird to me. I'm, I just like Memphis having a situation in which they have... Dylan Brooks is a young guy that they can not build around, but he can contribute. Yeah, You bring DeLon Wright, who I think is a Really, really good. Really good backup point guard at the least. He can also become a lot of different things, shoot, right? If he can figure out how to shoot, I'm I'm more than happy with having him on the team. Norman Powell. He's not a bad shooter. He's, he's a, not a bad shooter. He's not a bad shooter. That is a misconception. His I've percentages watched, are bad, though. His percentages are bad. He doesn't get a lot of shots. And I think by the nature of that second unit early on in the season, that second unit for the Raptors has come leaps and bounds. There, there's definitely unit. something for if you don't get a volume of shots, you can't find a rhythm. Exactly. You just expect it to hit these shots. Sure, uh, you, you can attest to Dylan Wright being good. And then you get to re-enter that 2019 draft, which we don't have a pick in. Sorry, that Memphis don't have a pick in right now. Sure. And you're probably securing yourself at least a top five pick with the Ross you've set up uh, for 2018. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty cool opportunity. Maybe maybe you want to just get that Brooklyn pick that could be around the 10 range in the 2018. Then you have two kicks at the can on having two talented players and then Mike Conley moving forward. But I think you need to have a sustained model and re-entering the 2019 draft, even though it would be a low pick in the first round, is something you really have to do. The one question mark that revolves around this whole trade, and he has to be a part of the trade for contracts that even get close to matching up, and it's Jonas Valanciunas. I'm not very high on him, but at the same time, we look over at Indiana and you see what happened to Oladipo and Sabonis when they got unleashed in a new role and there's no expectations. And you can see the stress wears on Valanciunas. There was a lot of pressure on him to be kind of that blue chip prospect when they potentially were going to blow it up. He was their future. He was their yeah. known commodity. This is what we're going to build around. And he had great performances in the playoffs, but it's so up and down with him. But he he's, also, he's a guy that his confidence is shaken. He doesn't get yeah. played a lot of minutes. He doesn't get played late in games, especially. But for all the Valanciunas haters out there, and I know that you're out there, watch this. Watch the playoff series against the the Miami Heat before and he got the Pacers. hurt. Because he took Whiteside to the tool shed, and 
it's very, very disappointing that he hasn't been able to to build on that or it, even get back to that form. But I completely agree. He is absolutely the prime candidate for a guy who needs a change of scenery. Yeah, you give him a change of scenery. I think he would have one more, maybe two left on his contract. You get inside looks to decide, hey, do we wanna do we wanna put a little bit of money? His value is gonna be low. He his yep. trade value is negative at this point so maybe you don't even have to shell out too much money for him not that shabazz muhammad 20 mil a year you know so i don't know i would i would be happy to see what he does there is definitely defensive problems to say the least he's a dinosaur and he can kind of defend one position and that really goes against the modernized nba trying to get versatile players that can defend four or five positions he he can kind of defend in the center spot but you know what they have no urgency to win the Grizzlies, and I don't know. I th- I think he could be at least get an inside look at someone like Valanciunas because right now the cupboard is damn damn bare for the Grizzlies outside of Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. Just very quickly before we go, the other teams that I think could contend for the toilet bowl, but I really don't find them very interesting, are the Suns, who are just in this like purgatory zone of all I've been being trying bad. to defend Josh Jackson but mm. he he sure he can be good but like is his ceiling going to be like a Tony Allen like his shot is gross and there seems to be some very good players that went after him in the draft yeah uh the Sacramento Kings who I think are probably building something decent with some of their young guys like it's a weirdest kind of Young guys versus old guys situation. Over I think there. we should touch on them in a future pod because they have a lot of weird question marks. They're at a crossroads. Apparently, they were trying to make playoffs. That's what George Hill thought. They have these older guys. They, no idea why they got George Hill. They have some young. They have some young guys too. But now, yeah, I don't know where they're at. Well, we could definitely touch on them. Yeah, later we'll do. On. We'll do a Sacramento Smoothie King Center podcast. <laughs> um, is it a Smoothie King Center? No, that's, no, New, that's Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, fuck. I mean, shoot. Uh, and then the last one is just the Dallas Mavericks, who will never tank as long as Rick Carlisle is at the helm. And they have, like, some guys, but nothing really to get too excited about. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Yes. We've covered the highs of the NBA and the dark, dark lows of the NBA, which happen to reside in Memphis right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Memphis is going to be an interesting one. I think uh, if our two teams can make a trade, then I think the NBA season looks a lot different. Maybe we are the middlemen that can make it happen. We're the facilitators, the fixers. Yeah. We can we can get along here. All right. That is it for our podcast. If you haven't already read Adam's piece on the 94 Feet Report, please do that right now at 94feetreport.com. We will be back on Tuesday next week with another great NBA podcast. This is the End On Podcast. I'm Graham Turner. He's Adam McQueen. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Save net neutrality. Laters. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Why I would never wear a big baller shirt. No, I didn't don't say that. Talk to me, but I heard you say I'm not even wearing I, I said that I. You're a great reporter, just not reporting on me. Next. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane.